stage of anxiety. Sounds like finals week. No. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the Maroon Weekly. It is week nine of spring quarter. As always, I'm Austin, and in the studio today is Miles. What's up? And Natalia. Hey. In this episode, we'll feature an extended recording I took of last week's student government assembly meeting, where they voted on a UCPD resolution and the SG executive pay resolution. So, Miles, what exactly was the UCPD resolution? Well, the current executive slate put out a resolution for consideration, and generally it called on the university to increase transparency within UCPD and and to increase mental health facilities on campus. As I'm sure everyone knows, there was a shooting on April 4th with a UCPD officer and a UChicago student. From that shooting, there's been lots of campus conversations about what policing looks like on this campus, what mental health resources there are, and how students and the administration can best make sure that something like this doesn't happen again. Um, There's still ongoing investigations about whether UCPD protocols were followed by the officer. There are still criminal charges that are being brought up um, by the state. But one thing that my executive slate wanted to do in our last meeting was to propose a fairly comprehensive UCPD and mental health resolution to this body so that way we could talk about mental health resources on this campus, talk about what police transparency looks like um, and what transparent policing looks like in a city like the city of Chicago, um, and to have this body take a stand on that. So as we've discussed in past assembly meetings, after the shooting, my slate reached out to some really high level administrators here that oversee policing and we've been in constant conversation for basically the whole year with the administrators who oversee the various health services on this campus. From those conversations and also conversations that we've been hearing amongst the student body, things that really stood out to us as issues that this incident brought up was transparent policing. I think that most students on this campus are not thinking of UCPD most of the time. And when there was a really high level incident, people didn't really know no public UCPD protocols, so there was no way for us to know if the police officer followed those protocols. Not knowing those protocols means that we can't really judge as to whether those are appropriate protocols for the UCPD as well. Um, And in a city like the city of Chicago where there's really historic problems between the community and police, in particular police brutality and other issues, we thought it was really important to have a discussion about police transparency and to take a stand on that as a student body. The University of Chicago is not unique in having a private police force, but it is a major police force here in the city of Chicago that polices a wide swath of the city. Um, As students who live and interact with people all all throughout the patrol area of the UCP, Making sure that UCPD is transparent, not only for students, but also for the people who live in the patrol area, was something that we felt was really important. So after a couple of conversations that I had with the head of UCPD, there are provisions in here calling on the university to modify the makeup of its internal review committee, which is the review committee that oversees complaints against the UCPD. 
there's also a call for the university to release its protocol, so that way there's more transparency and students know the rule. <coughs> there's also provisions in here that call for the release of the UCPD's protocols, as well as any final reports from investigations that happened when it comes to the shooting. There's been lots of talk on campus about, about the shooting, about whether the police officer acted um, in good faith with the protocols or not. There's no way for us to know that until those protocols are released and having a public investigation with released reports would also help inform our discussion. Um, so that's one half of this resolution. The other half is there's been lots of talk about mental health resources on campus. There's been reporting about services that the student who was shot may or may not have tried to take um, advantage of. The university can't comment on that because of privacy laws. Um, but there's been enough conversation and mental health has been a high enough priority for my slate that we also wanted to take votes on some pretty large investments in mental health resources here on campus. That includes a university-wide working committee of students, faculty, and staff that can pursue some really large systemic changes and make some public recommendations to Zimmer about how to get rid of cultures of stigma, um, how to create an academic environment that's more secure in mental health. There's also, we call for investments in a centralized location for student health services and for student counseling services um, to try to break down this like mind-body dichotomy that often comes into play when talking about mental health. And also starting mental health programming earlier for students during a week, for example. There's also parts that were added about hiring at student counseling services, making sure that's a diverse staff to support the diverse student body here. So there's lots of fairly large investments we're calling for. There was some debate during the meeting over an amendment proposed by one of the representatives which called for the disarmament of the UCPD. Ultimately, that amendment did not pass, but the resolution as it was originally written did pass. <laughs> So do we want to set limits on debate for this amendment? Is there a second to approve? Oh, is there a second to that amendment? Second. Who wants to go first? Okay, I'll go first. Um, <laughs> I think this is dumb. I think this is a radical proposal put for a small minority of people who are completely unrepresentative of the student body as a whole. I think, you know, I think most people would agree with the broad language in the current resolution, but this particular line is unnecessary. Um, I think that it's important to represent minorities on campus, political and racial, and I think that this amendment actually speaks to the racial minorities that I don't think Boris was speaking about, but that I think I feel care, like I feel important representing, and I think that calling for the disarmament of the police is important for any one follow-up to that, we're not going to make comments about other members. It's ad hominems. Yeah, ad hominems, comments about other members are out of order. So we're fine now, but now it's a general rule that people should know. What is ad hominems? I'm sorry, what? It wasn't an ad hominems. It was, but no comments about other members. I did. Thank you. It's not the definition of an ad hominems. In the scenario where this is passed and let's say adopted by the UCPD, if there's an incident, do you see the UCPD then Supplying support if it's necessary because the UCP is the most clear first responder body. I'm just trying to envision what this looks like in practice. Do we want to be let the sponsor of that resolution speak first? Would you like to? I'm going to, yeah, I just want, I'm going to let us be able to participate. I don't have, I wanted to just like raise it as a 
more so why is like why is use of PPE armed with like deadly force instead of just like tasers and like batons or like something like that? Like I'm not sure if necessarily saying like completely disarm UCP is like what people are like more or less thinking, but it's the fact that like they're giving guns and bullets and black bodies around this campus and amongst like the student body, which is kind of terrifying being a black student walking around this campus at night. I think we need to realize the neighborhood we live in and if we advertise that our police force is not armed, we are opening ourselves up to people who live nearby coming in and knowing that there is no deadly force to stop them. I think there is definitely room to improve interactions between the police and the students, but we also need to think about the, the school area and the community we live in. UCPD serves that area as a police force, and how effective can we believe to be as a police force without some form of armament? Um, I have two questions. Um, one for Forrest, I wonder, I just want to know why you think that this element of the UCPD is something that's specifically for minority students, and why you think it's only a minority, and then also I think um, the, to I guess insinuate that the disarmament of the UCPD will like, cause like an influx of like people committing crime in Hyde Park is, I think inaccurate, specifically because I am looking at the neighborhood we live in, we live in one of like the possibly the most affluent neighborhood in the high. city of Chicago. So I'm just, sorry, but I'm just saying that, like, I think to insinuate that because there's like a bunch of black people living around us, that they're all well, that, Again, ad hominems, we're not going to do. Okay, so that's not what an ad hominem is, yes. dude. <laughs> so just to be just to be very clear, I was referring to a minority of students on campus, not minority students. I hope everyone can see the yeah. distinction in that language. So, but but continuing, I mean, I hope we all remember in 2007, a student was shot and killed at the corner of 61st and Ellis Street at, uh, by South Thorne. Like, we, we know like, that there is a need for this kind of thing in certain situations. Yeah, I kind of hear both sides here. Um, I feel like perhaps we could propose a different amendment where the UCP is uh, reduced to non-lethal force, perhaps like something like rubber bullets or tasers or, or uh, how do you have to debate the merits of this? Yeah. You have to debate the merits of the motion on the phone. Okay. So the comments yeah, the comments have to be louder to approve or not approve this. Yeah, okay, great. But can people amend amendments or not seeking pushback at this point that it's gonna be very disappointing. Okay. So you can recommend you can recommend an amendment to this and then that becomes what's in order. Right now you have to debate the merits of that. Okay. I will also say that just like talking about potentially like allowing tasers or some other form of thing, like like tasers can still cause like death. Like tasers can cause like heart attacks for students, especially like if they're having like a mental like episode. So I think like that's also just something to keep in mind if that's where the conversation is going. Um, I just wanted to throw that out there. I'll also recognize myself then for thirty seconds. Um, one thing I can say about my conversation with the VP of safety is that we talked about like taser usage and what that looks like. So it's fairly rare for university police all, police departments around the country to have tasers because they can also be deadly. Also, there's some research showing that like because tasers are considered not deadly, they're often used fairly often. I'm not sure if that's something we want to incentivize as opposed to this is I think the first shooting UCPD has ever done, student or not. 
Um, another thing is that with the weather that we have, um, tasers often don't work because they have to like get in your skin, but if you're wearing a coat, that doesn't work. It's, it's, it's true. Like, cold weather police departments do not have tasers. against a person rather than the position that they are maintaining. It's like an ad hominem is a personal attack and I do not believe that anybody has made a personal attack against anybody at this point. Great, thank you. Other comments? Hearing none, we're gonna move to vote on this amendment. We're gonna do a roll call vote. Um, so it's, people kind of stay, correct? So it's I, so like to add this language in, it's either I, abstain, or nay. We'll go from the top to the bottom of the secondary list. Um, all right. Uh, Tony? Abstain. Uh, Miles? Nay. Um, Sat? Abstain. Motion failed with a vote of 6 18 2. Is the SG executive slate pay resolution the same pay resolution that has been causing a lot of controversy on campus? Yeah, so the executive slate put this out for consideration, although it was written by a representative from one of the graduate divisions. And there was some debate over it during the meeting, and people voiced a lot of different perspectives, but they ended up voting to enact the resolution. So one of the GC reps, Jordan, has brought forth a resolution offering up a proposal to pay executive slate next year. So um, I think it makes sense to give you some time to explain your reasoning, and then we can um, do a motion to approve and set debate limits then from there. So you can have a full reply for 10 minutes. Hi, everyone. My name is Jordan Johansson. I am a third-year PhD student in classics. Um, I am interested in in, as we kind of heard today, that had been administered by the university and now 
to only to give to uh, compensate student government alone is one selfish and two uh, a poor use of student life funds. I think uh, student life fees are already strained under the budget that we have right now, right? So with um, planning allocations, we only had enough money to fund 44% of the things that RSO proposed, what RSO leaders planned and wanted to implement uh, for the coming academic year. And $9,000 is really a lot, like, and that's twice what we funded the MOTA show, which is one of the most iconic uh, events for student life on, on campus, right? And I think we literally do not have enough money at this at this current time to be doing something like this. Uh, this that nine thousand dollars could really go to improving student life, and um, there there are just like <clears throat> sorry. I think it's unreasonable and unfair to take um, student life. I'm going to jump in and use my two minutes for that. Uh, I really appreciate that perspective that you've talked about this before. I think I have to actually disagree with you on every single point you made, though. I think the work that an executive slate does is completely different than what an RSO leader does. That isn't to diminish what RSOs do. They're incredibly important to what this university is, but it's just different. It's, it's simply different. If we are not good at our jobs, money does not go out, and the rest of the university cannot function the way that it's supposed to. When we're overseeing annual allocations, making sure that people are getting sat on boards and committees in the right way, if that work doesn't happen, the rest of the university cannot function in a way where if the anime club, if they do important work for the members that they serve, if they don't get their posters out, everything still functions. When it comes to is this too much money, <coughs> to point you back to the research that was given out the examples of schools that our secretaries found that paid their executives, all of them had more money per student than we do, and we are on the larger end of universities that don't have something like this. Um, also on that, $9,000 in the scheme of what our budget is is not a lot of money. So it comes out to 0.36% of our budget. When it comes to whether RSOs are underfunded, <coughs> We've been getting really healthy cost of living increases for the university, and RSOs will take as much money as you give them. As you know, Tony, as a member of some of these committees um, that approves funding, not all funding asks are reasonable asks. We have limited, we have a limited budget, but value per dollar, I think this makes a lot of sense. So I also believe that if you do this, you should be compensated for it, and it shouldn't be something, it shouldn't be something that However, I know this was um, brought, this was like a topic of conversation a few years ago, so I'm just wondering like what happened with that and why it didn't pass and what like the issues were. So the old proposal um, was going to give a total of about $18,000 to all the members of the executive committee and what wound up happening, it was also embedded into an 
SLRA increase, and what wound up happening was the assembly decided to take the money that had been given to the members of the executive committee and uh, increase funding to the SLRA. So not give any money to the members of the executive committee, but instead increase the, the SLRA. I, I would also just note for the, the viewer the last time was partially dry. So mm -hmm. that was that was proposed by Slate instead of by MC, which is pretty easy to propose by Slate. Mm -hmm. I just want to call
This week, we released an arts cast about the 48-hour film festival from Firescape Films. Give it a listen on SoundCloud. This week in the news. Back in 2013, the Chicago Maroon reported that UCPD's detective Janelle Marcellus had infiltrated a protest carrying a protest sign and marched alongside activists. What exactly was the protest for? Um, to reopen the trauma center. After much criticism of the UCPD, um, Milton Owens, the head of the department at the time, was dismissed from his job under a rule forbidding any action that brings discredit upon the department. Owens is now suing the university, arguing he was wrongfully terminated claiming higher leadership was actually responsible for the protest infiltration. Conversely, the department argues Owens defied the UCPD leadership's plan by giving Marcellus orders to blend in with the protesters. This past March, the jury found in favor of Owens on his claim of infliction of emotional distress. The university and Booker now jointly owe $150,000 in damages to Owens. Do we know if the detective is also still with the UCPD? Uh, yes, she still works for the UCPD. This week, the Chicago Plan Commission voted in favor of a key Obama Senate proposal. So last week, I sat down with Orrin Oppenheim and Alex Ward to discuss changes to the Obama Presidential Center, as well as this vote. The vote passed unanimously, with six voting to proceed with the approval of the Obama Presidential Center. The vote came after hours of testimonies from both supporters and opponents of the proposal. The proposal centered around modifying boundaries of the center and around the closing of Cornell Drive. This vote was a major victory for the Obama Foundation. However, there remains a long process before the Obama Presidential Center can break out. Coming up this week, a whole slew of awesome events. On May 24th, there's going to be a chamber music recital hosted by the music department. That's going to be in Fulton Recital Hall at 7.30 p.m. Saturday, May 26th at 8 p.m., the University Symphony Orchestra is presenting Bernstein's Symphony No. 2, The Age of Anxiety, in Mandel Hall. Admissions is free. On Friday, June 1st at 7.30 p.m. in the Logan Center Performance Hall, Campus Acapella Group Voices in Your Head will be having their 20th anniversary concert. They'll be performing their third place winning ICCA final set. Tickets are $10 with UCID. Also in other amazing events, we have Monday off because it's Memorial Day, so Woo! take advantage of that one. I personally am going to be heading to the beach, so that'll be lit. I'll be in Miami. I'll be in Boston. Check out all of these events and more at chicagomaroon.com slash events. Hey Austin, what's our tech fact? This week's tech fact is about a major controversy surrounding Google again this week. This time a video entitled Google's Selfish Ledger. This was an internal video created by a laboratory at Google. And essentially what it is is it's a software program that is based on this idea of Lamarckian epigenetics. What is Lamarckian epigenetics? So essentially, this was a theory of evolution posited about 50 years before Darwinism that said as you live through life, your gene code changes within each person. Google utilized this theory of genetic evolution and applied it to data. 
So basically, this video talks about this dystopian future where Google AI takes in all of your data and then nudges you towards the perfect self of your human being. And so you'd have this AI that gives you a notification when you're like buying bananas and say, or from local businesses, or when you're at the gym, it would nudge you to do different workouts, which sounds nice and friendly. But at the end of the video, it culminates in Google asserting that the data goes ahead of the human, right? And what this means is the AI, for example, discovered that it lacked data on your weight. So then it designs a scale specifically suited to your taste such that you will buy the data and give the AI data on your weight. And basically data becomes the reigning king over all of us, which obviously is pretty scary considering people already are concerned about privacy issues on Facebook and Google. You should definitely check out that video and I'm gonna plug some audio of it here just so you guys can understand how dystopian this sounds. At the center of Lamarck's theory laid what he called the adaptive force. He believed that the experiences of an organism during its life modified this internal code, and upon reproduction, this modified version was passed down to its young. Whilst not biologically accurate, and ultimately superseded by Darwin's theory of natural selection, the epigenetic theories put forward by him are beginning to find new homes in unexpected places. Thanks for listening. This has been the Maroon Weekly for Week 9 of Spring Quarter. Thank you to Aaron Senden and Andrew Dietz for the music in this week's spot. Thank you to Ben. Kent. And the entire Logan Cage staff for our audio equipment. And the Pospiration. Grace Hauk. That's all we've got for you this week. Tune in next week on Monday for a super cut of this year's best stories. 